turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. News. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Men love their sin. Mankind enjoys and loves their sin, and they don't want to be reproved. They're like bugs under a rock, and you lift that rock up, and the light hits those roaches, and they scurry for some other dark place. Men are like that, and that's why they reject the light. And who is the light of the world? The Lord Jesus. Why don't people embrace Christ? Because they love darkness. That's why. It's not because they have some great intellectual difficulties and they don't understand all things. No, that's a smokescreen. The reason people don't come to Christ is because they love their sin and they aren't interested in responding to Christ. They're just not interested. They don't care. Every Christmas, we see pictures of three of the biblical wise men who came to see Jesus. We have no idea how many there really were, but they always show three. And the caption, wise men still seek him. That caption can be misleading if we get from it the idea that people on their own can be wise and therefore seek God. In Romans 3, Paul strings together a series of quotes from the Old Testament and declares, There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is no one who does good. There is not even one. Wow, what a condemnation. In John 6, Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. The wisdom that moves us to seek God rather than some substitute can only come from God himself. We'll consider that today on Verse by Verse. Welcome. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our Bible teacher. He's the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Our current study is in the 8th chapter of Romans. As we think about God's sovereignty and our eternal security. In Ephesians 1, verses 4 and 5, the Apostle Paul says this about God and our salvation. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will. Some people say that God also predestines people to hell, but that's not what the Bible says. We are all destined for hell, and it's our own fault, except that there are some people God has chosen from before creation to rescue out of the kindness of His heart. If you can follow in your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 8. Here's Pastor Steve. So the process of security begins in the mind of God with His foreknowledge or His choosing. Then He predestines those He's chosen to become like Christ. So you can't miss out part of God's plan. But the question is, where do we come in? Where where do we fit into this plan? Where does the purpose of God and salvation begin to affect our lives? Right? I mean, that's what we want to know. So God did this wonderful thing in eternity past. 
Where does he break into our lives and make it a reality? Well, look at the next phrase in verse 30. Whom he predestined these, he what? Also called. He called. In eternity past, God foreknew you, and he determined that you would be like his son. But nothing took place in your life and in my life until God called you and me. The call of God takes place when he moves in your heart and he moves in your life on earth and brings you to himself. God has determined this before the foundation of the world, but at a certain point in time and history, and for each of us that's a different point in time and history, God breaks into our lives. He interferes with our lives. He just, he just interjects. His call is a call to trust him. It's a call to exercise faith and to respond to the gospel and come to Christ. That is the call of God that we're talking about. It's a call from God that always, always results in salvation. Always. Now, God invites all people to respond to him. I think of Acts chapter 17, verse 30, when the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Athenian philosophers, and he says, God now commands all men everywhere to repent. That is a general call. When we preach the gospel, that's what we're doing. We are calling men to Christ, and God is calling them through us. That is a general invitation. But the call that Paul is referring to in Romans chapter 8 is an inward call. And this inward call cannot be resisted to the point of refusing the gospel. I don't understand how that works. Deuteronomy 29, 29 again. Probably put that on my grave, you know. He, he hung on Deuteronomy 29, 29. But it can't be resisted to the point of refusing the gospel. Now, I think this is vital for us to understand, and I want to spend some time on this because I think it'll help you as it has helped me to understand God's sovereignty and salvation. So let's, let's just think this through a little bit. If God set his love upon us and chose us for salvation and predetermined that our destiny was to be like Christ, which that's what we've seen, then it only makes sense, it has to make sense, that he's going to move in our hearts and bring us to himself for salvation. It has to be that if God chose us to believe, then we would someday believe. And this is what the call of God is about. He moves in our lives. He convicts us of sin. He draws us to himself. And we come. We come. We may not understand all that's taking place, but we come. 2 Timothy, great verse. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says this. Paul writes, who has saved us, he's speaking of the power of God, of Christ, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Do you see that? God didn't call you because you were wonderful. God didn't call you because you were better than other people. God called you because it was his purpose to call you from all of eternity. That's what God purposed in his heart to do. So God didn't call you because you were so special. God called you because he called you. God called you because you were part of his purpose. God called you because from eternity past, he had planned to call you. And I want you to know today, if you're a Christian, if you've trusted Christ for salvation, it's because you were called by God to fulfill his purpose for your life. The very purpose that he planned before the foundation of the world. You see, this stretches our minds. This is, this is deep, but this is the word of God. Do you know why it's necessary for God to call us? Do you know why it's necessary 
for God to call us in such a way that we cannot resist his call? Because if he didn't call us like that, no one on the face of this earth would ever come to Christ. No one would ever respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to think about this for a few minutes. In fact, most of this message is, is going to be made up of just thinking about that very thing. Because it will help you to understand God's sovereignty in choosing us. If he didn't choose some, no one would ever come. John chapter 3, verse 19. You really should be taking notes. And you should, I, I, I would encourage you, get the tapes on this. I, I know one person in our fellowship who gets a tape almost every week because they say they learn so much more after uh, they hear the tape again. Because they can't rewind me while I'm speaking. John chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, Jesus said this, And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light. Why? Lest his deeds should be exposed. You know what Jesus is saying? Men love their sin. Mankind enjoys and loves their sin, and they don't want to be reproved. They're like bugs under a rock, and you lift that rock up, and the light hits those roaches, and they scurry for some other dark place. Men are like that, and that's why they reject the light. And who is the light of the world? The Lord Jesus. Why don't people embrace Christ? Because they love darkness. That's why. It's not because they don't understand the gospel. There are parts of concerning the word of God we don't understand, but even a child can understand the gospel. It's not because they have some great intellectual difficulties and they don't understand all things. No, that's a smokescreen. Now, they may have some intellectual difficulty, but that's not why they don't come to Christ. The reason people don't come to Christ is because they love their sin and they aren't interested in responding to Christ. They're just not interested. They don't care. You see, the other view says that man is seeking after God. Man is searching for God. People are religious because, they're, people are religious because they have rejected the truth of God. They're religious because God has made man with an innate desire to worship something. And since he turns from the light and he turns from the truth, he is going to find anything to worship, even if it's his own intellect. And that is what secular humanism is all about. I worship my intellect. Romans chapter 3, and I want you to see this. Romans chapter 3, verse 11. Men do not seek after God on their own. In fact, Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Why? Because men are not seeking him. If men were seeking him, he didn't need to seek them. Romans chapter 3, verse 11. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. That is in the same context that there is none that's righteous, no, not one. That's an absolute none. There's no one on the face of this earth who's righteous, and there's no one on the face of this earth who seeks after God. You were born running from God. Nobody wants to know God. Nobody wants to be saved. Nobody wants a relationship with Christ until God moves in their hearts and creates a thirst for salvation. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says the natural man doesn't understand the things of the Spirit. He doesn't even understand it. Ephesians chapter 2 says that we are dead in sins and trespasses. It's God who must make us alive. Dead people don't understand the truth. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 says that Satan has blinded people to the truth. How are you going to overcome that? You're dead. 
You can't understand. You're blind. You think that one day you just decided, oh, now I will see. Now I will follow. Now I love Christ. I don't hate. No, no, you didn't do that. I didn't do that. You see, people are interested in a lot of things, but not in Christ. They're interested in making money. They're interested in being happy. They're interested in getting a new car. They're interested in getting a new house. They're interested sometimes, unfortunately, in getting a new spouse. They are interested in a lot of things, but they are not interested in salvation until God first creates an interest. Romans 8.7. We looked at this just, I guess, a number of months ago now. Romans 8.7. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. And he's speaking there of an unsaved person. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. Unsaved people hate God. And I, when we went over this, I, I remember telling you that there are people who say, I love God. And, and you say, but they're not saved. But they say, I love God. No, they don't love God. They love a God that they've created in their minds. A God of, of all love. I remember t- having someone tell me, God is all love, unconditional love. Un-. The fellow was a homosexual who didn't want the wrath of God upon him. Didn't want judgment. Sure, he's going to create God is, is all love in his mind and God will never judge and, and, and there's no such thing as the wrath of God. Sure, because he doesn't want to face up to that doesn't know Christ and says, I love God. No, they, they love a God they've created. A God that exists only in their mind. You begin telling them about sin and the judgment of God and the holiness of God, and they won't love that God, believe me. They'll accuse you of being legalistic. They'll accuse you of, of uh, having a false interpretation of the Bible. They'll accuse you of dotting your I's and crossing your T's, whatever that may mean. I've been accused of that. That's why I just point that out to you. I don't know exactly what that means. I think it means being nitpicky in the Bible, and I think it means just trying to understand the Bible. A man hates God, and he's not interested in submitting to the Word of God. He doesn't care about the Word of God. Man is running from God, and if God left, let man run, if God left man alone, man would keep running all the way to hell, and he'd be doing it of his own will and choice. Everybody. For instance, think about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, first people who sinned. What did they do when they sinned? Did they call upon God? Did they say, oh, look what we've done. We've disobeyed. And God, we call upon you. Where are you, God? No, they didn't call upon God. They hid from God, right? They hid in the garden. And they ran from him. But you know what? Thank God he called upon them. God called upon them. And if he didn't, they'd still be hiding in the bushes today. And if God hadn't called you, then you would still be hiding and running from him as well. You probably wouldn't be aware of it, but that would be the situation. Let me show you John 6, 44. And I just, you know, I just want you to see that this is not just you know, one verse here and, and uh, Steve is just trying to force the scripture. No, it's all throughout the word of God. And that's why we want to have biblical integrity. I don't want to give you my opinion. You don't need my opinion. You need the word of God. John 6, 44. Great verse. No one can come to me. Jesus is speaking. He says, no one can come to me. Isn't that interesting? No one can come to me. But can't, man has a, can't he? No, no one can come to me. No one wants to come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I'll raise him up on the last day. If that doesn't speak of eternal security, I don't know what does. 
All that we're saying, in fact, I told you last week, why do I bother saying these things? Just pull one verse out. John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless God, and what Jesus is saying, unless the Father calls him, unless the Father draws him with an irresistible drawing. And then Jesus said, I'll keep him. And I'll make sure that I raise him up on the last day that none will be lost. How about John chapter 10? We love that passage that says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. But you know what the context is? Look at verse 26. But you, and he's speaking to the Pharisees, the false religious leaders who thought they were the shepherds of the sheep of Israel. They weren't even the sheep. They thought they were the shepherds. They weren't even part of the flock of God. But he said, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. You do not believe. Why? Because you're not one of mine. If you were one of mine, you'd believe. And then he said, but my sheep hear my voice. They hear that call. You know, a shepherd has to call a sheep. They have strange ways of calling their sheep. Call them by name. Nicknames that they've come up with. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus said, and I know them. Does he just know about? No, I have an intimate relationship with them. And they come and they follow me. So if anyone is ever going to be saved, then God must make the first move and call a person to himself. And thank God he does. But how? How does God call us? Is it some mysterious thing that we can't get a handle on? No. We turn to 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're just going through the scriptures, seeing what the word of God has to say. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. The apostle Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he said, the Thessalonians at Thessalonica, he says in verse 13, but we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by, by the Lord, because God has chosen you. Now, there it is. God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. God has chosen you, but the Holy Spirit had a work on you through the truth. And what is the truth? Verse 14. And it was for this he called you how? Through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know how God calls a person? He doesn't just zap you one day. You don't hear words floating around. No, he calls you through the gospel, the word of God. Uh, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Great illustration is found in Acts chapter 18. The apostle Paul uh, had come to Corinth and everywhere he went, the Apostle Paul ran into trouble. But I don't know, for some reason, Paul was, was discouraged. He was troubled at Corinth. It was a horrible city. Even after the church was established there, the, the, there was a horrible church, quite frankly. It had a lot of problems. But the city was pagan. It was uh, immoral. It was just a horrible place. And so Paul seems to be discouraged. And in verse 9, we read this. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision... Do not be afraid any longer. Why would he say that? Because Paul was afraid. Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent. Obviously, Paul was thinking of probably packing his bags and heading out of town. Don't be silent. Go on teaching, Paul. Go on speaking. Don't keep quiet just because there's opposition. He said in verse 10, for I'm with you and no man will attack you. You don't have to fear for your life. They won't attack you in order to harm you. For I have many people in this city. And he settled there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. You know what I think that the Lord is saying, as said to Paul, Paul, go on teaching and preaching, for I have many people to bring to myself in the city, and I'll do it through your witness. They weren't all believers, but God had chosen them 
God had predestined them. And God is saying, Paul, I'm going to call them and I'm going to call them through you. So don't be quiet. Speak out. As the gospel is proclaimed, and you need to know this because it takes a great deal of pressure, uh, pressure off of us in evangelism. Evangelism is not me uh, pressuring a person to come to Christ. It's not me pinning a person down. I just spoke to a person recently who told me that that's how he was taught evangelism, that you intimidate people and you pressure them. And, and even if they reject and say, no, I don't want to hear about it. This person said what I was taught and this is what I, what I did. You said, let's have prayer. And while you were praying, you said, now, wouldn't you like to accept Christ? Person is usually intimidated and too, too shy to say no while he's praying. So he says, yes. And uh, you pray with that person, and then you say, I'll pick you up Sunday, I'll be right there. And then you get him to the church, and he's baptized, and part all the process. And this person told me, he said, I would pin people, I would pressure them, I would, I would really make it hard on them and force them. So you can't do that. You can't, you can't do You shouldn't do that. Because as the gospel is proclaimed, the general call goes out to everyone. God commands all men everywhere to repent. But the only ones who do respond are those God has chosen, predestined, and inwardly called. This may take place, obviously it does take place at different times in people's lives. As the general call goes forth, the Holy Spirit works on the heart of an individual and brings that person to Christ. I remember in my own life, um, when I was a student at, at college, uh, and I was reading the Word of God, and, and I, I just couldn't help but think about Christ. I, I thought I was going insane. Jewish boys from Brooklyn don't walk around campus thinking about Christ. And I thought I was losing my mind, really. I thought, what is happening to me? After I trusted Christ, I looked back on that. And I said, oh, that's what was happening. The Holy Spirit was drawing me. It took a while, but I came to Christ. Charles Spurgeon said this, he said, The general call of the gospel is like a sheet lightning we sometimes see on a summer's evening, beautiful and grand. But who ever heard of anything being struck by it? But the special call, the inward call, is the forked flash from heaven. It strikes somewhere. It is the arrow shot in between the joints of the harness. That's what we're talking about. It is, it is that call that strikes. It penetrates. It deals with the heart. I tried a sales job once when I was right out of college. <sighs> Big mistake. I'm not comfortable at all in trying to persuade people to buy things. So I find it comforting in sharing my faith to know that it's not my job as a witness to convince anyone of the gospel. It's my job to be honest and then let the Holy Spirit do what only He can do. Thanks for listening today to Verse by Verse as we delve into some of the most wonderful verses of the Bible, Romans chapter 8. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you'd like to stop in some Sunday, the address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. For service times or directions, call Lakeside at 727-441-1714 or go online to lakesidechapel.com. That's lakesidechapel.com or 727-441-1714. Now, speaking of going online, another website for you is versebyverseradio.org. You can give online easily and securely if you'd like to help keep Verse by Verse on the air. We can't do this without the generous support of listeners like you, so thanks. You can also listen to any of the hundreds of previous broadcasts we make available on the Message Archive page. 
We encourage you to download or stream anything there that interests you. That's at versebyverseradio.org. I'm Jerry Peterson. Before we go, let me take a moment to remind you about an opportunity for our blind listeners. If you have a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind and you want a free audio Bible for your digital player, call 800-838-5924 or visit www.blindbibles.com. That's blindbibles.com or call 800-838-5924. You ever heard the expression, consider it done? When a boss asks someone to do something, that is sometimes the response. It's a promise, and if the employee is trustworthy, the boss doesn't need to worry about the assignment getting done. Did you know that that's what God says about conforming us to the image of Jesus? It's not done yet in our eyes, but it's so certain that we can consider it done. It's so certain that the Apostle Paul described it in the past tense. God may not be my employee, not by a long shot, but he is trustworthy, absolutely trustworthy. So if he says, consider it done, I can do exactly that. Pastor Steve will explain on the next Verse by Verse. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse by We're here to give you strength between